Welcome back and you're listening to Back to Business. It's me, your host, Shazmin, and today I am joined with my team members, Saran, Amir, and Akmal. Today's topic is about competition and price war, to be feared or not. To begin this podcast, let's talk about, is it ever good to lower your prices? Saran and Amir, since you are far more experienced than Akmal and I am, what are your thoughts One on word, lowering no. your prices? One word, No. Let's look at this. If you are in a competitive business, right? We also in a competitive business. If everybody is just going to play the low ball game, like, you know, bring it lower, 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 lower. And it comes to a point when it's, it's probably going to become too cheap and it's not going to be profitable. And if that happens more frequent among a lot of creatives, then you are, you are killing a market and you're killing the markets for the creatives. I think it's ethically wrong that we should not play a uh, price war much. Yes, you can a little bit cheaper here and there. You'll be reasonable for what you give. Uh, you could add extra stuff for the price, but don't bring your entire service very low because then you are essentially, you know, there's a saying called kamikaze. Yeah. kamikaze. Yes, essentially you're trying to kill yourself. <laughs> you know, you're trying to kill yourself to win, but how far can that go? Well, if you can't name your price, then what, is a better way to let your client know how much your price is. As in the initial days, as if you start out if you're a freelancer, creative, it's fine to charge a bit low. Okay, the expectations as a freelancer, your prices are lower than, you know, getting into a contract with a company, for example. But having said that, even as a freelancer, you start out low, but as you up your game, your experience and uh, your your analytical skills, your problem-solving skills, all this improve. So where do you add that value in? To your price. Mm-hmm. So as you, you gain experience, you have to increase your price so that it correlates with your ex- experience. You can't be charging, like for example, 10 bucks for an image processing that you've done for correction all the time. You know, over the years, you've probably picked up multiple filters you've learned how to color correct or something like that and where do you put all those extra goodies into you have to put that into your pricing point to reflect your experience otherwise you are not going to grow as a creative and you're going to be stuck and the market is going to be very much saturated and you're not going to get value so when you feel that you have gained a sustainable amount of experience it's wise to increase your rates periodically right and as that increases your perception in the market is like, hey, this is much more of a value. I'm paying more because I'm going to get a better value. A $10 wine bottle is going to taste crappier compared to a $100 wine bottle, right? Yeah, because of the quality. Yes, the quality. So how do you justify it? You yeah. know? So there's more process gone into it. There's more fermentation. There's more like, you know, I'm not a wine guy, but I'm, I'm just trying to say comparison mm-hmm. here. And old wine... Is, is much more tastier and therefore it's going to be priced more. So the similarly, as you get more experience, that's, you have to start charging. And there are people who will pay for what you charge because they believe in the value that you create. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to continuously put your price, bid it down, bid it lower, bid it lower, bid it lower, eventually it's not going to be cost effective for you. Your cost of living is rising. It's just a matter of like plain economics. I mean, that's my blunt view on it. We can dive deeper in it as you guys ask questions. So with that analogy, Amir, do you agree? Uh, yeah, I mean, it can be very tempting to lower your prices 
really like nobody wins if you do that. My friend has the sister. She opened the cafe, and she actually she made her coffees like very 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 cheap, like five ringgit for a long black. But what ended up happening was like people just came. Oh, it's cheap cheap coffee, and and then they spent five ringgit only, and then they spent the whole day at the cafe. So let's not not really. Uh, good for the store owner, so like you get the wrong kind of crowd. Mm-hmm. I will only say it only works if you have, there's a strategy behind it. If you guys remember, mm-hmm. Apple released uh, iPhone SE, yeah, yeah, they they made that cheaper and much more affordable. And the sales for that mo- particular model didn't even they made a inferior, quote unquote, inferior product to make the expensive one look even more desirable. Oh. So in that sense, I guess that's the strategy behind that. But in all other niche, I don't know. <laughs> so we've talked about why it's not really good to lower your prices, but how do we justify the price? Marketing. <laughs> yes, number one, I think you have to define your value. Mm-hmm. What is your value? What are you providing for X price? And I think you need to do a little market survey to understand what the industry is charging so that you also do not go over the board. At the same time, don't go too low. So you need to definitely know the market pricing. Do some surveys, get uh, some quotations from similar businesses that you are operating in. Or if you are a cafe uh, concept kind of businesses, then probably you want to survey around all the cafes in the town. And what are people paying for per price per coffee? As what Amir mm-hmm. was discussing, if you take the coffee analogy. I think I can relate to that more because I used to run um, a cafe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I can tell you my experience on that. When I was starting out, I wanted to build this very exclusive ingredient, imported ingredient-driven kind of cafe. So the price point is Which definitely going to be higher. Eventually, so end of the day, mm-hmm. price point, um, for example, um, for the uh, I was importing coffee beans from numerous countries. And that inflated my price of coffee. So I could not charge coffee cheaper than about uh, 12 bucks per cap per latte and stuff like that. We did some survey and some of the cafes in uh, a much more urban area setting where people are willing to spend, they were charging about 12. But when I started out in an area which is in PJ, it was not so welcomed at that price because you were mainly uh, targeting working crowd. When I say working crowd, it's not to say that they don't spend, but most of the time is that working crowd is on budget. When the working crowd is on a budget, your kind of place is where uh, only people who will put appointments to meet people up and stuff like that. You need that kind of crowd if you're mm-hmm. going to charge higher, right? Otherwise, if you're just surrounded with only working crowd and there's no, uh, there was also no much parking in that area. So people from outside could not schedule their meetings there because during lunchtime, absolutely no parking. Uh, I didn't get much customers because of that. So wrong area, wrong pricing. So now coming back to the value though, mm-hmm. I decided like, okay, I'm not getting much walk-in traffic into my store mm-hmm. and my food as well. You know, I'm using all those asparagus and whatnot, all these expensive items and stuff. So shall we bring down the value of the place by lowering down the price margins and the types of offering that we give. So we started exploring into pastas that are way much cheaper, introducing Asian cuisine that is way much cheaper, and then bringing down the quality of the coffee so that we can charge lesser. Boom, we got a lot of traffic coming in. But the irony is, when you look back at the numbers of end of the month, we were making more, although less volume of traffic coming in, we were making more money in the beginning days of the cafe than the my ending days of the cafe. Oh. So even though there was a lot of volume, full house, whatnot, we were still not making enough yeah. money because we went too low. And when we went too low, we got the volume coming in, but it just 
is mm-hmm. did not was not sufficient enough. Yeah, because the margins were too thin. So mm-hmm. you still have people to pay. You still have you know uh, chefs to take care of. You still have the barista to take care of. So all these people don't cost cheap. You have to pay them. So even if you bring your margins down. You have to cut in your operating costs, which we can't because there is like a there's a there's a limitation to what I can do with the operating costs. You need to pay the best chef in town to have good food, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So all these factors are in, and it literally gave me an, an a, a eureka moment. It's like what I could have done is basically stick to the first model, charge value people, and also I had some uh, nuances like, hey, I liked your food last time better, though. We had some regulars who were coming in for that. You start losing them because they're like, "Hey, you have brought down, you have changed the menu. I love that steak. What what happened to the Eflon Wagyu beef that you used to bring from Japan? What happened to all those things?" So it's like there were like niche customers finding you and coming in the night to have those things. Mm-hmm. Although few, we felt very sad. Like, oh, it's just like only one or two customers coming in, but they were willing to pay the price because of that value. And eventually, I looked back. I was like, hey, "If only we scale that up." I mean, worked on the marketing, work on our value proposition, and and stuff. If I could scale the first half of how I ran the cafe, I think that would have been more profitable than lowering down the prices. Oh, so you're trying to say that if we were, if you were to in day one scale up the prices, justify a strategy that's best have, for your business. I would have and- sticked with high value pricing and go for that type of clients because uh, there was two two variables to this. I didn't have a large amount of space. So I cannot play the volume game because there's not enough capacity. Similar to any businesses, even like to our businesses or what, you need to understand your capacity. If you go for cheap price, yes, you get a lot of volume of sales coming in, but can, can you keep it up? Can you provide actual value? It really depends on the size of the team. If you keep on adding designers, you keep on adding um, uh, you know, copywriters or production specialists, in, I'm talking about in creative field now, you, you, that, that headcount is going to go up. Your cost is going to go up. So if you're going to bring in more revenue, I mean, smaller revenues, but in larger scale, the workload is going to be more, but your revenue is going to be less. You can't compensate. So on the other hand, if you can find a sweet spot on what's the best comfortable amount for each business, you need to do that. I mean, it's, uh, it's something that every business has to assess. You have to find your sweet spot and like what's the best value we can get versus the, the headcount that you have. And then you, you, you aim for those kind of projects. I mean, I do agree with what you have to say about um, in terms of having strategy and justifying your price. But we also did a blog post on how to justify high quotations. And in conjunction with this topic per se, um, according to Emmy Award-winning designer Chris Doe, he said that if you ever want to justify your price, you can use this technique, which is called price bracketing. Have you guys heard of that term? Yes, I read it on the blog. Okay, Akmal, so but, tell me what but, you... But, 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 but <laughs> never did like outside. Like Pop quiz, honey. Hands on or practical. Okay, so uh, let me explain to you what price bracketing is to those who do not know what it is. So the way to do it is you use big round numbers and you justify your price that way. So for example, if your client were to ask you how much is your price range, or like how much is your price, you can go around with saying like without any particular numbers, maybe around... 10,000 to 20,000 and then the the trick is to see their reaction to see if their reaction actually tells you if their budget is in the range which is pretty cool so how do you guys approach after that <laughs> if their reaction is um, like um, we can't afford that <laughs> see recently we had a client that came in and then um, they were looking we were trying to sell for a monthly contract right um, for some services but I we could clearly see that the client was trying to push back for a one-off 
kind of like service product that they wanted. So when we tried to like summarize this whole thing, we tried our luck to like get that monthly contract. It would have made more sense for the client as well. So we tried to make them understand that. But then uh, probably due to budget constraints and whatnot, they decided to like, you know, let's just stick to the one. So then when we came back to the one time kind of job scope, we had to like negotiate with the client to figure out what was his budget in mind. You know, I was trying to like find out what his budget in his mind. So then we just drew in a figure and said like, hey, it's about 10,000 to do this stuff. You know, it costs us around there. And then he was like, yeah, and you get a positive reaction about that. So I'm okay <laughs> with that. You know, you, you can see the body language if they're okay with that kind of price point. So then you know, all right, okay, they understand your value. They they know that they they don't mind spending more money upfront. Although we gave a cheaper option on a monthly basis, but they were like, no, I'm okay with it one time because I just want to spend one time and then I want to be done with. So there are people, there are clients like that. So it's a good strategy. I think you have to not only use one or two strategies, you have to use many. In today's business world, you have to like use all the strategies that you can to convey your value to the clients, right? So yeah, definitely that's a great tip and uh, kudos to the legendary Christo. Speaking of strategies, what are your thoughts on competition, guys? Is it good? Is it bad? What can we gain good. advantage out of it? Best example, look at Grab. Uh... <laughs> 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 it's a real life case studies. Enough said. <laughs> yeah, look at Grab. Okay, expand. <laughs> uh, Elaborate. I mean, Elaborate your point. Competition is good for the ecosystem. I mean, it benefits everyone. Uh, I'm for customer side. You guys have a lot of options. You guys have you guys have uh, different ways to spend your money. And for companies, it con- kind of controls them in a sense. Also, it strive makes them strive to like make their products better or think outside the box. Like, how do we beat Uber's pricing? Macam yeah. that's why our internet sucks because there's no competition. Uh, internet provider, stuff like that. Like, if there's a lot of monopolized stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, I agree with Ame yeah. in the sense of competition. Uh, in a way, boosts your business itself in the marketplace because, in a way, I feel like if if there's a competition, if you if you're competing with other competitors, in a way, your business or your brand will also stood out because why? Because when we when people or when consumers try to buy that that specific service or buy that specific product, they will look onto the others as well. So that will make your product be in that marketplace well as well. So it's uh, more known to the consumers just uh, instead of you're just on your own. So people will not know you. But with the competitions and mm-hmm. when you're competing with other competitors, your brand will also stood out in that marketplace. So consumers know about you and then they will uh, do research about you. Is it, uh, is it your product better or your service better or something like that? So in a way, competitions help you. It gives room for you to analyze or identify your strength, your weaknesses, opportunities and threats. Because from there on out, you can develop your own business strategy and then you can prioritize your focus on what works that needs to be done in growing your business. It's, it is healthy. Um, there's another spectrum of thought to it. When you are setting a new trend, like for example, um, Grab came into the market, um, it definitely was not new, but they were having a major competition, which was from Uber. Yeah. So what they did was they figured out the local market better than Uber did. Mm-hmm. And that was a tough competition to Uber and eventually led to Grab buying Uber for yeah. the Southeast business, Southeast Asia business, sorry. 
right? So if there was no competition, we wouldn't have even had the, what we had today, Grab today. We would have been stuck with Uber, which I think was a little <laughs> better in some place, right? Right? But yeah. I know, that especially for the drivers, that I think Uber people were making much more money on Uber than one on mm-hmm. Grab. But then eventually, you know, Uber died and they, they did find the better way of getting drivers on board, I guess. Although they were not making much money, I think they found uh, better ways to get connected to the drivers. I'm not really sure about the strategy that they did there, but definitely it was a good move. Whatever they did, it started getting traction much more than what Uber could do. Which one do you guys prefer? Food, Panda or Grab? I personally like... Um, None of them. There was actually another service called Delivery Now. I'm not sure if you guys know. Is it still services. available? It's not. It's not operating now. But I think um, it was a fairly much better service. It was just uh, a ten ringgit flat delivery service. But Ooh. you did not um, need to worry about uh, the restaurants double charging you and whatnot. Like for instance, on Grab today, if I were to buy a roti canai from Asikanda Kayu. It will cost you one fifty, right? But if you buy it on Grab, it's three bucks. So it's like a double of price going on there. So I assume that because um, companies like Grab and and uh, Food Panda, they they want about forty percent or thirty percent of sales revenue from the restaurants. Not only that revenue, plus also they they, they charge you delivery five bucks or six bucks depends on the location, right? So uh, that to me is, as a consumer, we don't have a proper uh, delivery service that is is budget friendly. Mm-hmm. It's more on convenience basis at the moment. So I think there's still room for competition if somebody somehow somewhere Started. decides to create a service that you know could lower down the the price point. That's a good competition there. Yeah, like Have remember been- when Food Panda mm-hmm. first started, uh, you would see a lot of Food Panda stickers everywhere, like. Okay, this guy seems like they're going to be the next big thing. And then, like, just because Grab has more resources, more money, and mm. Eh, mm. doesn't matter. Same. I but the I only still think they're also yeah. getting yeah. a recent round of funding that's coming in. So, this is the thing, as I said, when, when they are not worried about lowering the prices now because they have uh, no competition much, right? Mm-hmm. So, coming back to your topic, yeah. when there is no competition, then you set the value. You are the pioneer of the market place, so you can mm-hmm. set your value. Then comes in competition, they give more value, and then you lower down the price. Right? And then comes yeah. another competition and gives extra value and slightly more pricier, but end of the day, they, they will find their deliver own market the value. place. Yeah, they deliver the value. So there's, there's, you need the competition to evaluate what is actually the value. Well, then that goes back to competition originates from capitalism. Uh, what are your thoughts on capitalism? Can we advantage? Is it an advantage for us? Or is it more of something that's a con um, as opposed to a pro? I think capitalism, can, it, mm. it really needs a definition change i mean everybody is like doing you know the venture capitalists they just go and fund new businesses new businesses in in the sense that there will be an innovation sparking out of it but sometimes i also feel that they spend money on so-called couple unicorns that sometimes just die like that like there's no value these companies don't make money but they bet on it 
and then and the bad turns out to be bad. But then their defense is, if you don't do such things, then you cannot innovate the marketplace and you can't get new products out, which mm-hmm. is also in a way true. But sometimes when you do such things, you are also wasting money sometimes. So when you, if you look in a communal kind of way, they would not want to waste such money. It's like, because it's people's hard-earned money or you know, it's, yeah. it's money is, is difficult to get. So we should not waste that money. Mm-hmm. So we should only put it into companies that it, that is that it is worthwhile to take, make profits. So I think the companies in Asia are a bit more of like take profits first kind of mindset versus in the West. They mm-hmm. are willing to, to invest into ideas and dreams. There's a fundamental shift of ideology in both uh, areas of in this, in this planet. <laughs> so capitalism is a bit different even in Asia. Although we still do practice capitalism, but there is a little bit of conservativeness to it and socialism attached a little bit to it when it comes to um, even in Malaysia. Do you mind giving an example on that so that listeners can have a better understanding? Uh, I'm not sure we get into problems if we give some examples. because Okay, like uh, analogy? Idea. Give them an anal- analogy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, for examples, uh, telco companies are pretty much capital-driven here. Um, okay. But broadband companies are not. You get what I mean, going? You have independent towers, right? You have towers everywhere. And yeah. a lot of companies are bidding for the towers. They can reuse the towers and they keep adding new towers here and there and they get the permit. But when it comes to cabling or broadband, only one company in Malaysia has the rights to the cables and then everybody else are using the cable to get internet connectivity. So there is no, uh, um, how to say, like I can't like um, start up a new company and start digging in the cables now because uh, there's a government company that is doing it, right? I'm not sure whether I'm saying the truth, but sorry if I'm wrong, but like if, Telecom, it's just an example. analogy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, like for time, uh, I think time and, and Maxis, they're all riding on the same cables that TM provides mm-hmm. for the broad- broadband connectivity. So the maintenance is done by TM on the other hand. So the, the other companies pay them money, I guess, to, um, to, to manage all this stuff. But then again, although I'm not complaining that the service is bad or what, but things could be better. If there is competition, as what I may say earlier, yeah. right? So in countries like Malaysia and Asia in general, you have a mix of both. When there is a capital opportunity, people ride on it and it gets better. Like look, the telcos get better and better uh, day by day. We can switch between uh, telcos now. Like we couldn't do that before, and now we can literally switch between telcos, keeping the same number. Back in the day, I remember you can't. You yeah. have to literally get a new number for a new telco. You know, like zero one zero means zero one six means DG zero one two means yeah. Yeah. You know, you all, you zero seven is like hotly. Yeah, yeah. Sacom. Yeah. Now there's no, there's no, there's no issue on that. You can keep the same number and you can just easily port over to another telco. Because yeah. of competition. So that's, that's because competition and capitalism is is working for uh, to allow that to happen. But when you don't have that that kind of uh, investments coming in, you can't innovate as well. So before we call it a wrap, do you guys have any questions? Yes. I have one question for the team and for, mm-hmm. for us as well to learn, especially me and Shazmin. So basically this question is more specific, uh, specifically to Ami and Saren. So we're talking about pricing and not uh, lowering down the price to keep up with the value of our business and product and the competitive marketplace. In the sense of digital marketing agency, as we are one of them, 
we have this client where, where we call it retainers. So it's an ongoing client for months, uh, for months and months. So going, uh, moving forward in the future, if we were to increase the price and do we have that fear of losing the customer? So just imagine that we have been with this customer for like what, one year, two years, and in the third year, we decided to increase our price, increase the package, increase everything. Lah. So we approach them and say, uh, this, uh, this lower price is not, it's not going to work anymore. We have to compete with the market and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so yeah, at that point, do we have that fear of losing the customer or is it better to let go of them or is there an other way around of working it up? Work, work it up? I think it's also important to keep up to your word because once you have signed a contract and once you have signed an expectation with the client, I think it's, it's best to continue it as it is. You only increase your value in your next client. Oh, okay. You don't backtrack on your current clients. I think it's not good because then you, you, it creates a bad relationship with the client. Unless you, dramatically your cost increases somehow which is oddly the case. You still can, okay. if you've been surviving all the while with the same client, then there's no reason for you to increase your price. What you're saying is we can charge more after we've gained all the skills and all that with our next client. Mm-hmm. Yes. So with the current client, we just exactly. remain the That's same. The way. Okay. Yes, you have to because you've already committed to such things and then you, you're going to just uh, make, a bad, make the relationship go bad if, if you're going to like start talking of increasing prices drastically because you want to make more money, which is not fair. Because they've signed up with you with a certain expectations and certain budgets in mind. So that's, they'll be comfortable with that. So if you're going to disturb that, then you may, it's like losing a client. You're going to lose what you're even getting. Mm. You know, so I would definitely not advise, uh, you know, going and renegotiating with this, the same clients. But then just go and find new ones that you can show your value to and stick to the old commitment. So it's, it's a matter of like uh, a commitment, you know. When you promise somebody something, don't go and break the promise, right? But you'll be like, hey, thank you for your experience. I value you. I'll continue serving you. Uh, but I will take all this knowledge and I will go to the next client and double up my value and, and you know, whatnot. For all the listeners out there, uh, that is life. we do retainers. Yeah. So like, if you're looking for like <laughs> slightly cheaper monthly costs, retainers is the way to go. We're definitely open to negotiate. Uh, yes. And yeah, whatever. We definitely deal, do not skin the cat. Yeah. Whatever price you settle with, it's going to be like that. In, in Herbert, I think there's one unique way of negotiating prices. We, we don't necessarily put you an upfront cost and say, you know, this is what you need to pay. We judge based on your budget. We ask you your budget first and we mm-hmm. see what we can do with your budget first. That's definitely the, the, the approach that Herbert takes. But definitely, we do have a minimum working standards that, that we um, abide on. But I think we are happy to work within your budget to help you in some way that we can. Definitely, Herbert is your choice. Ooh. And that wraps up our episode for the day where we talked about... So that wraps up our episode of the day where we talked about why it's never good to lower your prices, how you should... Uh, name your price uh, there are strategies involved in that um, competition and capitalism so 
Be sure to follow us to not miss an episode and stay updated on latest marketing trends by following us on our social media, which is on Facebook and Instagram at We Are Her Bet. And to view our, then to view our write-ups on digital marketing. And if you have any inquiry that you want to ask us, feel free to browse on our website or visit our website at www.weareherbet.com. See you on the hey. next one. <laughs> Stay safe and take care, everybody. Stay safe, yeah.